Welcome to Stories from the Midland, a collection of historic tales from Teller County and the surrounding areas. In this episode, we are looking at the history of the Teller County Detentions Facility in Divide. This episode was written and is being presented for you by Tommy Allen. I would especially like to thank Commander Kevin Tedesco at the Sheriff's Office for setting up my interviews. Commander Tedesco and Sergeant Roger Sandiford for sitting down with me and allowing me to record their thoughts and memories, both of the old and current detentions facilities, and Under Sheriff Bishop for allowing me to take up a whole bunch of his time with my questions. These gentlemen made this episode possible and have my absolute and heartfelt thanks. In 1901, the Teller County Jail in Cripple Creek began operations destined to house inmates for the next 91 years. The main room of the jail on the main level was 46 feet long by about 37 feet wide. And in the center of this large room was a large block of cells. The lower tier had 10 cells, two rows of five with a column up the middle into which cell doors opened. From the front of the block of cells, one could walk upstairs to the upper tier, which had four more cells with an enclosed corridor to one side in which, same as below, the cells opened into. The doors on the main block of cells were locked and unlocked using large mechanical levers at the entrances to the corridors. So the jail had 14 cells and was designated to hold 100 inmates. From the entrance to the building, before entering the main room with the cells, you'd find a set of stairs. And up those stairs, you can find three more cells in place to hold female inmates and a room with a metal door to hold child inmates. Of course, in its 91 years of operations, the original jail upgraded where it could, and the jailers were fair in their treatment of the inmates, both due to their professionalism and out of necessity. Sergeant Sanderford. We would develop a rapport with the inmates because a lot of times there were several nights I was working alone because my partner had called in sick or whatever. So I was handling everything by myself. So you better not make enemies of those people. Uh, of course, there were still the ones who, just like today, don't get along with anybody. One of the major things that hindered expansion and significant modernization in the mid-20th century was the fact that the gold boom of the Cripple Creek Gold District had largely died away, and many of the county's residents had moved on, leaving a small tax base. So prioritizing money for modernization and expansion projects was nearly impossible. With the small amount of money coming in, the jail housed inmates from outside agencies to raise money to supplement their operating budget. Sergeant Sandiford. Gaming, Cripple Creek Police. Victor had their own police department then, so we would get there, inmates, state patrol. We occasionally housed for military, Woodland Park PD, wildlife, the parks. We would house for them too, which we still do. But given its age and its relatively small square footage per inmates, pressure was mounting to expand and significantly update the Teller County Detentions Facility. And in 1991, gambling was legalized in Cripple Creek. That brought an increase in residents, expanding the tax base, and it brought in tourism dollars. With the new funds, the decision was made under Sheriff Gary Shoemaker to build a new and modern detentions facility. One big question was where to put the facility. 
but Woodland Park had risen in its prominence with US Highway 24 running through it, carrying all that traffic to and from Colorado Springs, and its population had expanded greatly. And the Woodland Park Police Department wanted a detentions facility that was more centrally and conveniently located. About five years before, the Sheriff's Office had taken on an old fire station near the intersection of US-24 and Colorado Highway 67 south towards Cripple Creek in Divide to be its headquarters. And the decision was made to co-locate the new detentions facility for better access by both local and outside agencies who would house inmates there. The Teller County Jail in Cripple Creek closed up operations in 1992. And while the new facility was under construction, Teller County's detention needs were met with a contract with El Paso County. The Sheriff's Office at the time did have a couple of temporary holding cells in its building, but actual housing of inmates took place down in Colorado Springs. The current facility opened in 1996 when Guy Grace was sheriff and the decision was made to contract out the manning for the detentions facility. The only detentions related activity not performed by the contractor was inmate transport which was handled by certified deputies. The previous jail deputies were given new opportunities in the sheriff's office. Sergeant Sandiford. When the old jail closed, Sheriff Gary Shoemaker was the sheriff here. He, at the end of his term, retired. Sheriff Guy Grace came in. He started what was called the uh, Special Operations Section. So he made arrangements with Sheriff Anderson at the time with El Paso County to get those of us who were not already post-certified to go down there and attend their academy and become post-certified. Even though a contract company was running the jail, they would not transport our inmates. So we had, I want to say at the time, four or five court and transport deputies. The others were uh, code enforcement, fugitive warrants, but he started that. Everybody who wasn't post-certified got post-certified. I can only think of one that chose not to, and he transferred over to animal control. Then Frank Fenn was appointed and then elected to be sheriff. This is the same Frank Fenn who headed up the capture of the Texas 7. He demanded high standards of his personnel and expected the same of the contractors working in the detentions facility. But it seems that Sheriff Fenn was never fully satisfied with the quality of work from those contractors. His dissatisfaction wasn't unjustified as several incidents that should have been avoided took place under their tenure. And the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back was when a contractor left an external door unsecured and an inmate incarcerated for murder escaped. Sergeant Sandiford. We had some guys who were in the jail for murdering an individual in Victor. For some reason back then, when they did an outside facility check, he went through the door in the gym to outside and check the fencing and everything, see if anybody tried to break in, if anything was left, whatever. When he came back in, some individuals were in the gym playing basketball, one of them being one of the murderers. He listened and realized that the door did not click shut when the deputy or the officer, whatever they called them back then, came in. He went over and pushed on it. It was open. Next thing you know, he went out that door over the fence and he escaped. 
Luckily, he was uh, asthmatic. And that water tower that's over there, which wasn't there at the time, of course, being excited and everything and being and out there running, he had an asthma attack and basically passed out out in the field. So he was caught very quickly, brought back. The next day, Sheriff Finn called the commissioners and said, I'm giving them notice. He had to give them a 120-day notice that he was moving them out, and he, the jail was going to be taken over by the sheriff's office. He then put the responsibility for the detention facility in the hands of then-Sergeant, now Undersheriff Stan Bishop. And Sergeant Bishop and his new detentions deputies set about identifying and executing the repairs, improvements, and procedures needed to bring it to the high standard expected by their sheriff. Over time, the responsibilities of Sergeant Bishop expanded. More and more was required of the detentions facility and the man overseeing it. He was originally given the title of detentions coordinator to use instead of his sergeant rank. But soon he found his position elevated to that of lieutenant and he found himself promoted to match. And eventually, detentions was made a division on par with the operations division and Lieutenant Bishop was promoted to commander. And where the old jail in Cripple Creek was headed up by a sergeant with nine deputies under him, the current detentions facility has a more robust and mission-appropriate manning structure. Commander Tedesco. The top of the structure, obviously, is the sheriff, the chief law enforcement officer of the county. Um, the top-ranked deputy within that agency would be the undersheriff. The undersheriff has the responsibility and the authority to oversee the, the aspects of the agency as a whole. So uh, they have oversight of the detentions division, the operations division. Their main duty is to ensure that their division commanders are able to run their, their respective divisions appropriately. The division commander level, um, you're overseeing the administration of, the, of your respective division. You're responsible for ensuring policy procedure is, is within code or within statute or within um, the expectations of the community and also appropriate um, for your day-to-day -day operations. The lieutenant is responsible for the day-to-day -day operations, overseeing the personnel, and he has the sergeant, who's Sergeant Sandifer, uh, who oversees the operations of the corporals. The corporals are responsible for managing their teams, ensuring that the deputies have the tools and resources, the training and the skills uh, to conduct their minute-by-minute operations and, and expectations within the control of the facility, safety and security of the facility. One of the key elements of the detentions facility is the trustee program. Sergeant Sandiford. Trustees are generally inmates who are sentenced. They have to apply to be a trustee and then their criminal histories are checked, their current status is checked, and they get what we call good time for being a trustee. They get days off of their sentence for working. Commander Tedesco. There's a twofold benefit to that as well. Um, not only does it gainfully employ an inmate while they're in our custody, which also helps them stay out of trouble, obviously. It does allow them an opportunity to provide for their own release date being moved forward. Their efforts are rewarded with uh, time, a time benefit. So statutorily speaking, the state of Colorado gives seven days of good time per month of incarceration, per 30 days of incarceration, uh, for an inmate's good behavior, for complying with the rules and regulations of the facility. We as a facility can offer an additional three days onto that time per month of gainful employment as a trustee within the facility. 
So it allows that, that inmate to participate in their own advantage. Uh, but it also saves the county a great deal of money. The, the jail is essentially operated similar to the hotel in a lot of ways. Um, and when you stay at a hotel, you see people uh, managing the hotel in a custodial factor. And that's very costly and very expensive. Um, so the money that, that we save by employing inmates at a menial cost and, and menial expense to the county is then able to be rerouted into more beneficial areas. We cannot force labor um, on any inmate, nor would we want to. We would not, we would not get the type of employment um, from them that we would want. So everything is voluntary. Most inmates that are trustees go well outside of their way to maintain that status and to maintain the abilities to not only occupy their time, but also to contribute towards their good time benefits of getting out a little early. While both the old and new detention facilities have always had trustees, the program flourished when the deputies took over the responsibility from the contractors. While they've performed housekeeping tasks at the detention facility, they've participated in cleanup crews in the county and even helped with construction at Catamount Reservoir. Now, as with any detention facility, the one in Divide has had to deal with its share of pressure from the outside. The ACLU has tried to sue Teller County twice and sent up violent protesters once because for Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, under the 287G program, it housed illegal immigrants who'd conducted criminal acts. The ACLU lost its first battle in 2019. In response, it gathered people from two organizations, Abolish ICE Denver and Colorado Springs Socialists, to protest at the detentions facility. The Sheriff's Office received intelligence of the coming mob and also received information about similarly organized groups attacking other facilities and even pulling down and urinating on their American flags. The Sheriff's Office established an area where protesters could do their business without harming the Teller County facility or its flag. And, joined by deputies and officers from other organizations, it set out a protective cordon around the facility and between the facility and flag and the established protest area. The protesters appeared to get lost on their way to the detention facility, driving right past it. It seemed that, realizing their error, they turned right at the light just past the facility and made another right on Highbrook Road. They then stopped at the corner of Highbrook and U.S. Highway 24 and appeared to regroup. It was at this time that a bunch of Teller County citizens appeared to block their way. Now, I can't say that it was the intent of the ACLU, but violence broke out, with pictures captured like the one of four protesters kicking a Teller County citizen on the ground. The protesters never did make it to the detentions facility. After the Teller County deputies rushed to the site to break up the violence, the protesters got in their cars and sped away, blaring their horns in spite as they drove through Teller County. One family member of a person detained in the facility and a few of her friends wished to remain. So Sheriff Mikesell showed her to a picnic table set up in the protest area where she could sit down. She appeared to be a peaceful person swept up by the ACLU as the focal point for their protests. She asked a few questions, which the sheriff answered, and then she was left in peace with her friends. She remained for about an hour or so. The ACLU challenged the detentions facility again in 2023. It found six Teller County residents, one of whom backed out, to represent its interests. But 
They also lost this suit, but this time they didn't send up violent protesters from the city. When the detentions facility opened, it was far more technologically advanced than the old jail. And the facility has kept up with the times. Modern fingerprint scanners and body scanners make in-processing much less unpleasant for both the deputies and the inmates. And tablet computers are used extensively in a variety of roles. Commander Tedesco. The previous jail was all physical key. Obviously, you can imagine that. And uh, every, every log, every document was paper. We've gravitated away from that. Our locks are electronic with obviously a key backup system. Our documentation is all electronic. The deputies now uh, do their day-to-day -day activities, daily functions, carrying a phone device that electronically connects with each cell, each pod, um, specific areas of interest that they have requirement to check on. And they can document their behaviors, their activities, their interactions with inmates in real time through an electronic device um, with cloud-based storage and et cetera, et cetera. So um, we don't have to necessarily have connexes full of required paperwork anymore. The technology of the security itself is far advanced than what uh, jails in general uh, were under in those days at that time. Um, our security is, is top of the line. Cameras everywhere you can imagine. Um, electronic monitoring on everything. Um, redundancy in the security systems themselves. And even the event of a catastrophic electronic failure, uh, we still operate and, and we don't miss a beat. And we have uh, systems in place to enhance those redundancies as well. Day-to-day -day life for an inmate um, has also changed drastically. I can envision an inmate 40, 50, 80 years ago, essentially they sit and they play cards or they're uh, interacting with, e with themselves or with each other. Um, on a very personal level now, each inmate is actually, actually has accessibility to a tablet um, as, so long as they're not under disciplinary lockdown or uh, something that's preventing that from happening. But the tablets contain um, not just entertainment and media, but also uh, news because we are required uh, by law to provide them access to news. Um, so we're able to facilitate that through the tablet. But most importantly, and I think mo most beneficial, is towards their rehab program services through those tablets, such as an Alcoholics Anonymous class, um, uh, domestic violence awareness classes, and also educational opportunities. So they can partake in all of those as well and, and hopefully find a way to pass their time productively rather than just sit and play cards with their cellmate. All family visitation, friend visitation is conducted through these tablets again um, and electronically. They can, they can have uh, text messaging capabilities to stay connected with their friends and family. They have video chat capabilities, phone call capabilities. There is a lot of value to allowing them to maintain that connection with friends and family. People in custody, the inmates, they have, they have spouses, they have children. Um, and the last thing we want to do is to take away from the family aspect that those people would like to and have to maintain as well because they're going to get out and we don't want to damage those relationships. If we damage those relationships unnecessarily, we're working uphill to keep them on a, on a progressive path once they're released. It does affect their abilities to remain socially connected uh, once they get out. 
As we move from history to modern day, the Teller County Detention Facility continues under Sheriff Mikesell and Commander Tedesco to maintain the high level of professionalism that has been its hallmark since Sheriff Frank Fenn kicked out the underperforming contractors and replaced them with Sergeant Bishop and his team. The detention facility remains a great place to work for its deputies. The Sheriff's Office views it as a great place to learn to interact with people from all walks of life while learning leadership and organizational skills that will serve its deputies well into later life, whether they make law enforcement a career or move on to something else. Thank you for joining me for this episode. This is Tommy Allen, and on behalf of Trevor Phipps, have a great day. And should you find yourself looking for rewarding employment, the Teller County Detentions Division is always looking for qualified men and women who are honest, dependable, and looking to improve themselves to be part of their team. If this sounds like something you'd like to do, you can find more information on their recruiting at tellercountysheriff.com. And we look forward to having you join us next time for more Stories from the Midland. Commander to Commander to Ha ha! Tedesco. And the decision was made to co-collate. Huh. And the decision was made to co-locate. The sheriff's office at the time did have a couple of temporary holding cells and And also received information about similarly. Huh. And also received information about similarly. Gosh.